I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Ali McGraw has never fit the Hollywood mole. When Love Story co-star and Ryan O'Neill captivated the world, Allie was keenly aware that stardom was something she would learn to survive more than savor. After years of deeply spiritual self-reflection, Allie says her tumultuous Hollywood years were fueled by alcohol, rooted in deep childhood insecurities, which contributed to the collapse of her headline-making marriages. Now her greatest wish is to live her most authentic life and start each day being grateful. I love your hair. Thank you. So I love what it happened too. that you decided I woke I'm going to... one day, I turned 75 on April Fool's Day, as you know, and I suddenly thought, you know, enough is enough. I mean, if there's something very funny that... Ha- I mean, I'm sure there's a million people out there that think I'm crazy. I felt some kind of change. I really did. It was subtle. But I think it's all about building up to who are you. My God. I mean, about time, wouldn't you say? I mean, 75, 75? years of practicing, like... Starting to think it's about, about it was a good idea. to lock it in. <laughs> right, don't you think? <laughs> but, you know, I thought I would try it. And I live in Santa Fe where there are the most amazing-looking grown-up women yes. doing incredible things, maybe a brand-new thing, and looking like themselves. And I thought, I'm safe doing this here because I'm so intimidated in that old way, for example, about walking down Rodeo Drive. Oh, God, somebody's soon going to say, wow. I know somebody could really do your neck or what are you doing now? All that L.A. talk, you know, yeah. to define your worth, worthness. And I thought, screw it. I'm just going to see what it looks like. And it looked awful for a while, but now I really love it. So then I thought, how ironic that you would call, because talk about hiding. This isn't exactly the place to, <laughs> to hide, no. right? It's over. <laughs> Surprise. This is what I look like. What is intriguing to me about your life and the conversation we had during the final year of the show is that you've been walking, living, breathing the spiritual path before it was like a popular thing or before other people were awakened to it. You've been in this journey. Well, you know, spiritual is such a loaded word now, but what I've been trying to do is be real because... Well, that's what spiritual means to me. Yeah, that's because the and it's and I think the f- what is your definition actually of spirituality? Yeah, no, I think it's oh of spirituality. Yeah, I think it's, I think it involves kindness and compassion and non-judgment, mm-hmm. not qualities that manifest very often when you're scared stiff, and put up a fake. I'm talking about myself and put up a fake thing, to keep people from seeing how scared you are, and I think that that being real and being as kind and and something else that seems to be very odd for a celebrity, mm-hmm. which is to aspire to some kind of humility. Mm. You know, I I just think because celebrity it's the opposite of that. The specialness, you know. Yes. I remember, uh, as you well know, I I went to treatment for alcoholism 28 years ago, and I remember that that there were certain very very well known people who were suffering, and some of the people around them wanted them in a special place because nobody could understand. The and special problems yeah, of these special people. Yeah, whether it's brilliant doctor, brilliant professor, brilliant yeah. singer. And 
it's been so hard to understand that the connectedness of us all is the deepest joy. Yeah, and what I've learned is, is that all pain is the same. And so whether you're an alcoholic who is a big celebrity, whether you're a rock star, pop star, musician, or a plumber, it's all the same. And I think maybe this is a big sweeping thing, and this sounds woo-woo, but I think all of life is connected. Mm -hmm. I read that you, you say that there's no real reverence anymore for the stages of life. There's none. I don't know another country that warehouses their parents. It goes, oh gosh, you know, she's losing her mind a little bit, so let's put her away and visit her once a week. No, there isn't any reverence for age. None whatsoever. And in Beverly Hills, it's really chilly. Yes. And I think it's heartbreaking. I see those creatures thinking, wow, now I look young, don't I? No, you don't look comfortable. You know, being who we are... You don't look like you belong. Exactly. Yes. I'm not saying that I don't think plastic surgery has a place, because I think it's great, but I think if it's not your scene, it's not the end of your life, and that, that message is not being delivered at all. Really hard, though, when you are defined in many ways, as you were, by your face. I mean, that close-up shot of you... <laughs> You know? Yes. Do you think you could have aged as comfortably as well inside yourself if you'd stayed in L.A.? I know I wouldn't have, which isn't to say that I can't go back. Yes. But the, you know, I've been there 20 years, and it was, as you know, a, a story of a house, my rented house yes, burning down. burning down. And I thought not, oh, God, oh, God. I thought, well, this has got to be happening to me for a reason, because there's, like, 15 houses on the block, and only one didn't burn to an ashtray. So so what's the bigger story here? And I was sure that it was to get me out of L.A., which is not against L.A. at all, but it's tough being an ex-female pop star getting older in a town that often judges you by how do you look, who are you with, how did you cut your hair, at least in my... And what have you done lately? Well, that's the big one. Hi, what are you doing? And that's a loaded thing. And it was hard. I can't say it wasn't, and I watch people a lot younger than I am because the media tells us that, you know, by the time we're 40-year-old women in L.A., give it up, you know? Don't work. Don't, don't hope to be attractive or sexual or anything. It's a really bad message. Don't you think so? I think it's... But don't well, you think it's true? And I think it's very true. But didn't you have, at 65, we're talking about aging gracefully, being who you are, because I think... Being spiritual is about coming into who you really are. I think you're right. Who you're really meant to be. That's, that's what the path looks like for me. Yeah. When you turned 65, that was a, was that a scary moment? Was it a, no, it's a moment of reckoning. It's like, it, well, this is real. You know what I did? It was what? so funny. I keep a journal only when I travel. And I went to this place that, I, that a friend owns in a little corner of, of Mexico. And I brought a book and brilliantly colored double-ended pens. And I locked myself in my room, and I wrote the, the Today I'm 65 thing. And I said stuff like, am I ever going to have sex again in red? Or do I have to do something about the third chin in a hideous electric green? So I couldn't, like, hide behind the kind of truths you talk about with your best girlfriend. I told myself some of the vanity scares. And I wrote, and I cried, and I wrote, and I cried. And then I got so bored with it. It was like two days of drinking tea and writing my, my true scary stuff and a lot of other things. Were you scared not to be 
what called pretty anymore? I was scared about all the things that we, we we're taught we should start getting yeah. scared about. And I wrote them, and then I went, okay, that's it. And I felt like it's time, you know, I've got that one down. Now let's go on and live. It was a very jubilant day, and I was in a beautiful place. It was empty except for So it was an exorcism of sorts. It was a total ex. It was that. Wow. You've said that one of the greatest gifts of maturation is being able to say no thank you. Or sometimes just no. Just no. Which is really great. Yeah. <laughs> I remember somebody said to me, we were having this party and she starts dropping all these names and blah, blah, blah. I was just off a plane in a grocery store and she's going on and on. And she said, you want to come, don't you? And I said, no. And I thought, oh my God, where's the no thank you, but I have a cold, but I can't wait to have lunch with you, bull that I used to add yeah, to no, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. so great. You just said no. No, not, not nastily, but no. I know so much more of the no list than I knew 10 years ago. Don't you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, and the other thing that's scary is that the underpinning is, do you still like me? It really is. And it's a drag because we can't. It's no, I don't want to do that, but it doesn't mean, please don't think I'm. Oh, I'm it's not... such a trap. It and is. I was in it for decades. Decades. So what is the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? You know something really scary? I, I think that there, that this no thing is deep, deep, deep. deep. I think it goes back to that childhood survival it is. stuff. It, it absolutely is. But some of the stuff I did is revolting. That We were told a white lie is okay. No, a white lie is a lie, right? It's mm -hmm. a lie. It's a lie. And the... I did so much manipulation, not out of meanness, but I thought that's the way you were supposed to be. A white lie, what I've learned is that white lies are really big lies to yourself. Absolutely. Because usually when you tell that little, no, let me get back to you, let me think about it, that is a, that is a betrayal of yourself, which is a big, there are no white lies to yourself. Ever. No, and yeah. actually, it's funny, I could never get drunk or high enough, ever to not know what I had done. You know, wow. that kind of, ooh, I don't remember. I couldn't ever not feel the shame of being unreal. It was, it, you know, it's selling your but soul. But don't you think that people, I've always felt this, that people say under the guise of alcohol and drugs sometimes what they really do feel, but oh, that, totally. that gives them the courage to say it out loud. So when somebody says something to me or has said something to me and they go, oh, you know, I was drinking and that, that means nothing to me. No, no, that, no, to no. me, that means you just said what you really didn't have the courage to say without it. Yes, I agree with that. But I think it's also that if you have treated people shamefully, yeah. that that, I think shame is one of the most horrifying emotions, maybe the most horrifying for me. And there were periods in my life where I, behave, where I behaved in a way I knew better than to do. And I couldn't forget it. You know, I couldn't have another champagne and dance yes. and put on the great dress because I still went. And, and uh, being sober has been so incredible for me being able to bust myself on that stuff and not go into the closet and pretend I didn't see. You know, it's taken a long time. And it, it is life's work, I think. And, and I love that... It's constantly said it's, it's progress, not perfection. Is being sober for you the same thing as being awake? I think it's being connected to my soul for a change instead of selling it every 15 minutes for this phantom person I was inventing. You know, because I always, I think I might have told you this years ago when we met, I always felt there was one person standing here, maybe in the right 
outfit, mm -hmm. mouth moving, and the real person, the shadow, was right here. And I like when it comes together. So, so it's back to that word, real and authentic. Yeah. But what, what I read, too, recently was that, um, that all those years you were married and different people you're married to, that you never felt that you were really yourself. No. Yeah. But that wasn't their fault. That was yeah. my fault. Yeah. Ali was married and divorced three times. Her first marriage was to her college sweetheart, which lasted only a year and a half. Just before Love Story's giant success, Ali married legendary producer Robert Evans and gave birth to her only son, Josh. Her second marriage ended in divorce after Ali began a very public affair with screen icon Steve McQueen. Steve and Allie's marriage ended after five tumultuous years. You told my producers all your marriage ended for the same reason, that you never said who you really were. Right. And I was like, how could that be? But, you know, I think... That is so powerful. It's not, it, it, and I see this a lot with younger women that I, you know, that I spend time with. Yeah. That if, if I say that, he's gonna leave me. Oh. That thing. And, and it became very fashionable. But I thought that once you married, you might say that until you get married, but once you get married, then you're really yourself. I, I, I wasn't. You weren't yourself even no. in the marriage. I mean, it wasn't mean. It was just, it's two things. It was, why can't you read my mind mm -hmm. about what I'd like and what I wouldn't like? Yeah. Like, how about speaking English kindly and yeah. gently? But how about saying, you know, this doesn't feel right or that does or... I really would like to ask you if you could do this for me. I, I expected my mind, the arrogance of it just blows my mind. It, my arrogance. And, you know, Expecting the, them to know what you wanted. Yeah, I think a lot also, of relationships go wrong because of you that. You know, I married some wonderful men. And the, the ones that are alive are my friends, real friends, which is quite... Who are you still friends with? Robert Evans, mm -hmm. and then my very first husband, who I haven't seen for years, but we've had a, we had a, a meeting that was very, very extraordinary about talking about a long time ago. Now, obviously, Steve McQueen is dead for 30-some-odd years, and it's very sad to me that as sober, grown-up, non-sexually connected beings, we didn't get to sit down and, and clean it all. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. something was there. Mm -hmm. But how, how do people who aren't um, me, I can't talk about him. He's, he had his own stuff. But I, I always thought he'd leave me. I mean, it was this absurd, I don't know what I thought, except that I wasn't real. So when I read, you know, what you've written about yourself, when the producers are telling me, and I, I say, gee, this is, we were talking about this at dinner last night. Isn't this amazing? Because we all grew up just thinking, oh, my God, if we could just have that life. Don't we all do that, though, yes. at a moment? If we could just have that life. Oh, my God. I remember seeing you on the screen and going, wow, if I could look like that, if I could be like that, if I could talk like if You're I had kidding. that. Yes. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. So to find out that you were real <laughs> and a, a real person with real problems and issues and, and trying to figure yourself out. Like all of us. Like all like of all us. Like all of us. A few years ago, during a treatment she had for stress and anxiety, Allie experienced what she says was an awakening. She describes it as a crystal clear, light-drenched moment that dramatically shifted her perspective. I brewed quite a bit, you know, and I, and I suddenly had this vision that came out of nowhere. I was in a place that actually means an enormous amount to me. 
And every male figure in my life, my son, my ex-husbands, important lovers, gay men friends, and a lifetime of animals. Mm-hmm. We were in this long, long, long horizontal line, this is so crazy, holding hands and dancing across the Piazza San Marco to this music and rocking out and the 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 Are joy. you asleep? Is this a daydream or a night? I have no idea what I was okay. uh-huh. And But I mean, this is not something I could have constructed. I couldn't have cast it or thought of it. And I don't attach anything to that except that I did have in that moment, after a kind of difficult time, this knowledge that, you know, there is ecstatic joy as part of the menu too. It's yeah. not all being a good girl and getting it all right and getting a check and a gold star. There's the possibility in life, in being alive and being connected, to be out of your mind joyful. And it's not about the greatest dress or the new shoes or the great looking boyfriend or the good car. It's just that connection with people that really matter to me. So I found that astonishing because I'd never had that. Did you come from that experience no longer wanting to be the great fixer because I'd read that you were the the great fixer. Still, it's, that yeah. dies hard, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it Look dies at you. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> that you want to fix You've got the planet on your menu. <laughs> that you, but did some of that settle with you? Where does that come from, that need to fix everything? Well, first of all, my mother, who was a remarkable woman with very, very little, and she, it was all given, all the time. So I'm sure that was my model of what a woman what would be. Tell me this, how, how has motherhood, I know your son Josh is now what, 43? 43. 43. Yeah. How has motherhood shaped your spiritual growth? That's a good question. Well, I knew the se- I wasn't a person who went around patting babies as a young girl, but the second I had this boy, he became the most important part of my heart, for sure. So, and the miracle, of course, it's so obvious, of watching the perfection of this little thing to, a, you know, a grown, a grown up. Human. I mean, there's no way not to believe that something's going on in this universe that has nothing to do with the smartest man in the science lab. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like walking on the beach and watching the moon come up. And I, when you talk about spiritual stuff, for me, my... My easiest touch is nature, because no matter how riled up I am, if I'm with an animal or walking in a place like this or finding a leaf or what, I I immediately drop all the the laundry list of what. Wow. I read where you said that I thought that about myself. When I asked Pema Children, was she ever lonely? She was. I was surprised that Pema said, I said, I'm never. Then I felt bad, because maybe. You're never lonely? I'm never lonely. I'm never lonely, and I'm never, I, I'm alone a lot by choice. I'm alone a lot too. And it's a little scary because I come from generations of real loners, but unhealthy loners. Yeah. But I sit, Are you a loner? I think I am, who's puppeting during the work time. You know, I can come up with staggering energy that people think means that I'm social. I'm not. I'm not. I have good manners. I look on it as work. I'm a pro. I do what I'm supposed to do. And then I say the magic phrase, I think I forgot to feed the dog, which is just a way to get the hell out of there. (laughs) You know? (laughs) No, I I love my solitude. It's so rich. Don't you think? You mustn't have any time to be alone. Oh, no, 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 no. You're my kind of girl. Because I am exactly the same way. Nobody would believe that I'm not the social 
being because I have this big... I would believe it because I don't know how energetically you could possibly do what you do without having alone time. Okay, you get it. You get it. But, but the funny thing is, you know, I was asked to do this benefit and it's something important. And they said, it's going to be fabulous. We have four, 12 dinners and would you come to one of them? And then we're all getting together for dessert. And I said, I would rather eat glass. I'll do, I'll do the damn dinner, but I am not gonna go stand around and air kiss 250 people who've just eaten for something good. Take the check and get home with my cat and dog. Yes. Isn't that? Yeah. So how did you, how did you survive fame? First of all, I think I was very lucky. It didn't hit me till I was 30. And mm -hmm. I'd been working since I was 14, like most normal people do. Yeah. And so I wasn't buying movie magazines and saying, oh, God, if I only were fill in the blank for the time. And I got, my parents didn't think much of what I'd happened into as a career. I think that they thought it was shockingly shallow, which is silly, but mm -hmm. it, you know, it just happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I had a head on my shoulders, thanks to my parents. And I was old enough, yeah. I think. I think you have to know who you are coming into it or you lose yourself. Most of these kids that get hit with that level of fame and money and access and toys and constant shallow praising, you know, and oh, no, no, you sit here because you're... Yeah. It, I, I read where you said that f fame is like a fire-breathing dragon ready to eat you alive. At, it is. At any time. Yeah. And now it's worse than ever for it these is. kids because of these paparazzi and their access. Yes. I mean, in the old days, there were, there were several very well-known ones who probably were annoying, but you could say, okay, I'll stand here for a minute, and then can I have my day? And they would say, surely, thank you. I, I want to read what you said recently about how you approach each day. I've worked very hard to make my life be about gratitude for what it is and not this heartbreaking thing you see with a lot of movie stars, wishing it were another time. That's true. That's true. I mean... I had, Sounds like you don't miss fame. You know, I'm very, very lucky because I probably am not qualified to say I don't have any of it because that movie, Love Story, played all over the world and I travel a lot. And so there is always somebody that says, when are you going to make another movie like that? Or so we're talking about 43 years ago. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to make another movie like that? <laughs> but anyway, so I get probably more attention than some people, but it's not that crazy fame stuff. And um, I do have an honest-to-God feeling that, that being living in the present and finding what's good about it is, is how I want to be alive. I do not want to sit in some rewrite of the past or invent the what's going to happen story. And that's a big discipline, but I think everything that I do is, is trying to make that be the way I live. And sometimes I actually succeed. So what's your ritual? How do you keep yourself? You, you get up in the morning. Well, first of all, I get up. Here's when I get up. I have a Scotty dog yeah. who sleeps on the bed, who has been trained by my wonderful dog sitter to get up on his work schedule. That's 5.30, not negotiable. So I pretend I don't see her getting up. And then she falls off the bed, clanking her medals, and then I'm pretending. And then she does this on the side of the mattress. And I, okay. So she gets, I'm up at 5.30, and then I, I, she goes outside for a second. I make a tea, and then I, go, I read for an hour, because I love to read. Sometimes I read 
information, but sometimes I read literature, which I love. In the morning? Yeah, because it's quiet. It's only 6.30 in the morning. Yes. They've eaten, and I can be quiet. And then I do yoga every morning. And I don't do it, you know, the way some people do, hot, athletic, mm -hmm. groovy yoga. I do it in order to try to meditate. I try to meditate through the whole practice. And we have an amazing, amazing bunch of teachers in Santa Fe, where I live, who've studied for decades. They're not gym rats that decided to do yoga. <laughs> And so I'm learning stuff, and, and also, as, Gym rats. <laughs> as you get older, you know, body parts for some of us don't work the way they used yeah. to. And so to practice with teachers that say, it's okay if you don't that, do that because your shoulder's gonna hurt. Yeah. And then I, um, I, I do my day, which is, is different every day. I do a lot of community service where I live. Mm -hmm. I can make a teeny bit of difference, and there's staggering need. So I do, that's mostly what I do there. And most everybody that I like does it too. It's no big deal. And some of us are. Be of service exactly where you are. Exactly. Yeah. So what is your, would you say is your secret to inner peace? That's the thing that I, you just exude, vibrate this peacefulness about yourself. That you. is 100% yourself. you missed the first 70 years. <laughs> I just think I've been around a long time and I, I've seen big stuff come and go and my practice is very, very baby level. But the kernels that I've been able to assimilate, like always looking for the gratitude, always looking for what good thing might be in that story. Yeah. Because I've got some very important people in my life, this is such a cliche, but it's so perfect, who always see the glass half empty. It doesn't matter what. I have a dear friend whose birthday it was the other day, and she had all these people around her that she adores, and they'd flown in, and I called her to say happy. Oh, God, the sun isn't out. I said, you've got to be kidding. What do you mean the sun isn't out? I said, the sun isn't out, you've got, but you have you all 12 the 12 best friends around you and your horses and your beautiful house, and we all love you, and you know how much you're loved, and the sun isn't out. Have you seen? I mean... That, I can't deal with that. <laughs> it just makes me nuts. So I, I, and I'm curious. Don't you think that helps? Yeah, I think it, oh, I think being, remaining curious keeps you alive and, and vibrant and, and vital. It makes you vital. Yeah, and I'm not the brightest in a whole lot of areas. Like, I'm painfully um, challenged in the computer generation. But, I mean, I can get by skeletally, but I can't do it most four-year-olds can do. And, but there's a whole richness to life besides information. Presence, I think, is, is a big deal. And I think, I worry sometimes that I a lot that. of kids are There's a richness to life that is beyond information, and there's a richness to life that certainly is beyond things. Oh, God. And, and, and beyond clapping. And beyond, beyond the applause. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I can't imagine anything more hard to leave than here when everything you look at and smell and hear is perfection that's why i need this to restore oh, literally to do what the bible says to restore my soul yeah what will be your legacy i'm going to answer with something a friend said because i've never really thought of that um she said kindness and i think it's i always loved it when the Dalai Lama said, my religion is, is kindness. kindness. I, it's, it's a word that was always 
sort of a little word when we were growing up. The yes. Word ex, you know, oh, it's very kind. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it, it touches every single thing in your life. It touches the way you cut the flowers, mm -hmm. the way you treat the checkout guy on a Friday night when you're waiting and he's tired and he's got to, I mean, it's so, so important to me. Yeah. And that connectedness. So, mm -hmm. and this is so foreign to me, Oprah. I mean, I never heard that when I was a kid, never. I heard be special, be do more, be bigger, you know? Get an A. That's nice. You got an A minus. Get an A next time. Mm. Instead of be kind. Be kind. Yeah. So I have no idea what my legacy is. Probably the crazy lady in a black dress with a lot of silver bracelets, 435 stray dogs, making chocolate. That's probably my legacy. But <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Sounds like fun. <laughs> What is God to you? How do you define God? I can't answer what is God. I have no idea. I just know that I can't relate at all to people who think there is no power in this universe above and beyond a brilliant human being. I just don't get it. So are you regularly in touch with your soul, do you think? Um, that's a wonderful question. I wouldn't say as much as I aspire to be, but that's part of the process of dropping all that fakeness. And it's so ingrained that I'm not there yet, but I know what I want. Mm -hmm. Would you say you actively can live the practice of being in the present moment? I'm doing really well with it. Yeah, I wouldn't say perfect, but way better than, than I used to. And you know you're fully in the present moment when? Oh God, what good questions. <laughs> I, that's, that's hard for me to answer. I feel, I think I just feel it. I think I am really paying attention. On that walk attention. with your dog in the morning. Sure. Yeah. And, and very, very often, and in the busyness of stuff that maybe one isn't totally thrilled to be doing, mm -hmm. you know, the, the I got to list. Mm -hmm. Part of me is guilty of saying, wow, I hope this meeting's going to be over soon or whatever. But... I'm definitely in the present when I'm on my own, definitely. What inspires you? My last question, what inspires you? What just lights you up, I mean, really? Well, my family does, mm -hmm. yeah. But, but also, I'm very inspired by the energy that you are creating with this show that is going to be shown to everybody to taste and to dream of. That inspires me because I'm a big person about hope and optimism. I just am. Do you realize that just being who you are makes us feel optimistic? Do you realize no, that? No, I don't. But I'm still kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>